0: You're listening to The Plastic Surgery Revolution with Dr. Stephen Davis, the one and only podcast that discusses modern plastic surgery and leaves you looking great and feeling better.
1: Welcome, everyone, to The Plastic Surgery Revolution. I'm your host, Dr. Stephen Davis, board-certified plastic surgeon. Well, today we happen to have a phenomenal guest. It's somebody that's a very good friend of mine and it's somebody that I've known for quite a long time. We've been talking about doing this podcast together for a while and uh, I think you'll really start to understand why I'm so in love with the idea of plastic surgery and how it can help people feel better about themselves and everything else and likewise, my guest... Mr. Joseph Devine uh, is also someone that, through his career, made organizations and people within the organizations really feel good about themselves. Uh, Joe Devine is a former CEO of Kennedy Health System. He made a beautiful transition uh, to uh, organizing um, Jefferson Health to take over Um Kennedy Health System, and it's a three-hospital division with a Surgery Center. And uh, without further ado, uh, here's Joe. How you doing, Joe?
0: Doctor Davis, how are you this evening? It's I'm always just great fine. to talk to you. Nice always talking to, to, talk you.
1: to you. Uh, w- the other thing I wanted to mention is that he's now uh, started a really interesting thing that we're going to get into also called the Miller Divine Leadership Advisors Group. And uh, again, it's all along these same lines about trying to make leaders and people within organizations feeling better about themselves and what they do. So Joe, let's get into this a
0: little bit. How you been? Sure, I'm doing well. How about you? It's always okay. great to know and going to see how great you are in your practice. I've always been impressed by everything you've done. You know that. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, I'm always impressed by the number of people who I know have gone to you. have You have not broken the confid- confidential code with them the <laughs> and said, hey, I met your friend, Dr. Stephen Davis. Right. So it's always great to know you're taking care of not only a lot of people, but a lot of my own personal friends. No, that's very who nice. Who've you over the years, so thank you.
1: I mean, you've Joe, take everybody that's listening through your rise in the organization. Because I remember, I mean, I was starting out as a resident, and you were just, you know, doing your thing through the Kennedy health system, but boy, oh boy, you made friends quickly and you really, you know, one of the things I always was impressed about was, you know, they use, they always talk about when you're running for an office or when you're doing something, it's actually that groundswell of people around you in those small communities and like, those areas that really bring you all the way up to the top. And I know that was you from the beginning. You were always just meeting with physicians and nurses and doctors in the organizations. And tell us a little bit about, you know, yeah, so
0: I, uh, I had a pretty humble beginning. You know, I grew up in the, in South Philadelphia, my both parents, my, my working parents, my dad actually worked three jobs to put us through school and everything mm. we had. And, uh, you know, we were always grounded. Family values were always grounded for us. And if you knew the neighborhood I grew up in, uh, yeah. no matter what your position you held or what you were in life, they always knew how to keep you grounded. Gotcha. And to me, that was very important because, you know, I didn't come from a big family. I only had a, myself and my sister, but we had a large extended family. Yeah. And uh, relating with people was always something that I knew from early on, as a matter of fact. So I was fortunate when I got into healthcare uh, after a few years in public accounting, which I knew was not for me. I got into healthcare and I worked at Pennsylvania hospital in Philadelphia and they actually paid for my MBA and I went to school at night there. And I had worked for a president there who was there 42 years. I was hoping to be able to stay there, but unfortunately there was no openings. So I ended up taking a job at the Kennedy health system in South Jersey. I figured I would spend maybe two, three years there and then ultimately end up back in Philadelphia. Little did I know that my entire career would be spent there until we merged with Jefferson in 2017, where I did spend some time in Philadelphia at their corporate offices. But it was a great ride. You know, when I met you, I was the assistant administrator at our Washington Township campus. Right. And I remember that residency class very well. I could I could see the faces <laughs> and name them all. And uh, it was my first really strong relationship with a bunch of interns and residents, which became, a lot of them became lifelong friends. There's still of them like yourself and others who are still practicing there. I mean, yeah. there's orthopedists, there's urologists, people that I met in the very early on that remain lifelong friends for me, which was important. So, you know, over the years, you have a career and you say, okay, how are you going to impact people? I was not, I did not have the good liberty to go to medical school. That wasn't one of my fortes was science, but yeah. my forte was the science of people. Yeah. I had an undergraduate degree in accounting and organizational theory. So I was always hmm. big into really organizations and what they meant and how people work for organizations. So I held probably about six or seven different jobs in my career at Kennedy. As I always joked at the end, they they eventually, I guess, had to make me the CEO because otherwise I'd have to leave. <laughs> but throughout my career, I had the good chance to work with a lot of great people. But most importantly, work around great people. You know, like the things you do, you you work hard to make people feel good about how their appearances and how they look. And a lot of that's psychological as well. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, in an organization, you have to make people feel good about the work that they do and how they work and how they fit. Because people, look, money is important for people to make a living, right? right? But in reality, making a living is not what makes the difference in people's lives. What makes a difference in people's lives is how they feel about making that living. That's exactly Because you can go right. work anywhere. Yes. But people who choose to be in certain fields, to me choose to be in fields because they want to relate to people. Well, you know, I was very fortunate to do that.
1: I, I could tell from the beginning, I never knew that it was something that you really studied was organizational theory, but now it all seems to make a lot of sense because even, you know, from early on, it was always about you trying to like uh, figure out a way to make the people and the organization fit together. It wasn't so much like you had, um, you know, a leaning one way or the other was like, okay, how do we bridge this and make this all happen? I'm telling everybody that's listening a, um, an interesting quick story. So when you were running the show, I remember, um, I was bringing all of my really wonderful cosmetic surgery patients to uh, the hospital. And, uh, I just felt that it should have a little bit a little bit more panache, a little bit more right. beauty to it. I talked to you about it. Next thing you know, in about a week, I hear people banging on the walls when I was coming to the hospital and you had sconces put up, you had the rooms made all nice for me. So, I mean, I think you got it from very early on that it was important to make people feel good about what they're getting done and make them have that sense that their aesthetics also played a part in how they were going to present how they were going to see the hospital or the uh, OR rooms and things like that i know you always you know tended to see it my way with those things and i yeah well that was important that,
0: because you know? everyone has a need right every every different type of services have needs and when you're in the business of taking care of people you have to yeah. listen to the people who are actually at the front line taking care of them yeah and in that case that was you that was mm-hmm. you and your fellow colleagues who were doing the same type of work yeah And in reality, unless we could address that, then you couldn't connect the opportunity for people to feel better about their whole experience. Because remember, it's not just about feeling good about what their appearance will be. It's about the whole experience, right?
1: Absolutely. Because we
0: all know, no matter what happens to you, whether you're getting cosmetic surgery, urologic surgery, cancer surgery, when you're in a hospital environment, it's always a stressful time. So we have to make it as appeasing and, and appealing as possible for the people and what kind of work they're having done. And in your case, you were dealing with a clientele that was looking feel better about themselves and their environment. They could have went anywhere and got it done. Yeah. So I needed to make sure the hospital was going to be a place where the environment would be good for them to come to. And I was, we were pleased to be able to do that because the opportunity for you to bring those patients and customers to us was important. You notice I use the word customers because yeah. sometimes, yeah. unfortunately, in some fields like healthcare, they're always focused just on the patient. But remember, when a patient comes to a hospital environment or any environment, many times they come with other people. They come with a loved one, they come with a significant, you know, someone who's been around them. Absolutely. And to me, everybody who's involved and connected to that patient, including you as the physician, is a customer. So we so. had to do what's right for them. But so to me, it was always about just doing the right thing to listen to people, understand them. And by the way, they need to trust you, just like I trusted what you were telling me. I needed you to turn around and trust me that I was going to do what was right for your organization, for you, to make your patients feel comfortable in that environment, and 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 that's how I felt about every stage of my career. As I worked with people, it didn't matter whether if you were the head surgeon or you were the environmental service worker. To me, everybody was an equal level. Yeah, because and, that's how you build organizations and that's, and that's how exactly people feel good about themselves that's
1: exactly how it came across though Joe it wasn't like you had to explain that to anyone because you did treat everyone like that and I think the interesting thing for me and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on the podcast about you know plastic surgery is that I always felt that you're pivot into your next career would be something like a motivational speaker or like you're doing now with the, with the Miller divine, uh, leadership advisors. It is a way of getting people that are in leadership positions to have that same sense and feeling like you do and pass it on to the people that they're going to be leading. So tell me a little bit about, um, this Miller divine,
0: Leadership. Sure. Advisor. So Miller Divine Leaderships Advisors is a I, I formed a partnership with a former, believe it or not, competitor and longtime colleague who was the former president and CEO of the virtual health system, yeah. which was our main competitor in South Jersey. We'd known each other for years. Our daughters played soccer at different times. Yeah. We go in soccer fields together. But I always respected him. Rich was a great colleague. He was a CEO much longer than I was, but we were, always had a good rapport.
1: Yeah.
0: And uh when i retired and started to walk away from what i was doing he had already left and was retired work writing writing a book and we started to meet together so we out, like, you know how can we help young organizations and young leaders become the most effective leaders they can have and build greek cultures and organizations we're both proud of our organizations i i had a work i had a, an organization at kennedy we were named five consecutive years in a row by our employees in an anonymous survey as a top workplace in the philadelphia region
1: I and we were the that. only
0: healthcare system to be so. So to me, I knew there was something that we were doing. And yeah. I think you said it early on, it's about building the groundswell from the ground up. And, yeah. and I, I can tell the story and I'm not, I'm not patting myself on the back. I'm not. The day, the day that I was announced as the new CEO, when I became the CEO, I was not in our buildings, of course. I was in the corporate office building, meeting with the board. Yeah. And I was told that when that announcement was made over the PA systems, that the organization had made an announcement that eruptions of cheer (laughs) evolve at some of the campuses. Now, to me, I think they were cheering because I was them and they were me, you know, we, we, we worked together and, and I was fortunate to be able to, you know, become the conductor of the orchestra and they were every one of my key players as the orchestra. And, And again, I, as people know, I would, whether it meant moving them up and, you know, when I became the CEO, I didn't change anything. I, I worked 365 days a year, 24 hours a day, just like, our hops hospitals did, and uh, you know, I often joke with my kids that they finally figured it out after they became adults. That I would always have to go to the hospital when there's a snowstorm, not stay home, because guess what? Because I was there to service people. Okay, as the leader of the organization, I was there to service people. Of course, my daughters figured out afterwards that I didn't want to shovel snow, so <laughs> that was a good thing. But a reality of it is, is you have to live by your values, and if you don't live by your values, and just like you do. You, you are someone who takes care of yourself personally as well. And I think when you do that, then your customers who come to you for the services, they come to you, respect that. And that's the same you need to be as a leader. So Rich and I have now put together this, this program aspect where we can take organizations to become to the higher level, to build great cultures, and ultimately to build great leaders with organizations to lead great people. Because people look up to leaders, and if leaders are not doing the things that they should do to make... The people who work for them and around them successful, then an organization will not be successful, and people will not feel good about their work environment. And I think that's key yeah. because look, work can be a torturous and treacherous process some days, only because it's it's detail oriented. No matter what you do, whether you're working in a factory, a supermarket, or a hospital, a physician' offices, right? Right. There's a lot of demands on you, but at the end of the day, you want to leave and feel good about yourself. You want to feel that. So I always said to people, you had to leave with three things every day. One is that I make a big impact on somebody's life today. Whether well, it would be, even if, again, if you're in a supermarket, you made them feel good. Right. Did I make an impact on my own, right? And basically through that, did, did that make me feel on the way home that I'm actually making a positive contribution? And to me, that's what leaders have to build in staff, And that's what leaders have to build in organizations to make people rally around the fact that we're going to contribute.
1: And, you know, it's interesting, Joe, because you know me. When I, you know, uh, having a consultation with any of uh, my patients, they know I spend a real long time talking about everything. And one of the things that always comes out at some point, either in the very first consultation or after multiple times that they've come to the office, or even after the surgery. And sometimes, funny enough, it can be on their way off to sleep as the anesthesiologist is doing his thing. We talk about their job and where they work, and how doing what they're about to have done with plastic surgery is going to make them feel about Going back to work, or if they're transitioning into a different job environment or a different job, you know, totally different, that they wanted to do something to make themselves feel good and have a certain demeanor so that when they were presenting themselves to the new organization or just with new colleagues that they were going to work with, that they were really um, happy about how they presented themselves, how they looked, how they felt. And I'll tell you, the more I stay in this plastic surgery, cosmetic surgery world, I've never seen more men getting involved in doing things in plastic surgery. And it can be the slightest improvements, the slightest things that over the years have always made them feel Maybe in some way um, that they couldn't jump to the front of the line or they couldn't jump to the front of, uh, you know, their organization because they felt that there was something about their appearance that may have been holding them back. And again, it may have only been something in their mind that they saw. But once that thing is lifted or changed in some way, it's incredible Joe, over the years, how I've seen this materialize in the practice. And it, it's truly now, I think it's many much more out there because of social media and everything else, sure. how much more common it is. But over the years, it really is impressive to just see how people have just taken that feeling and like catapulted themselves into other parts of the country or other jobs or other things. And again, going back to that whole idea of being a leader, even if it's in their own community, even if it's in their own church group, it could just be something like that that just makes them feel important. And now they're able to lead an organization or a group of people. And I, I know that's the way you've always felt over the years yeah, as well. Yeah, and,
0: it, and it's funny as a, as, a, as an analogy close to that and the correlation is, you know, people would know for me when I was around, and I had an organization of 5,000 people at right. the time before we joined Jefferson. And people used to joke that, and I know even the CEO at, at Jefferson, Dr. Klasky, used to joke when he tore with me when we were first thinking about merging. I knew everybody's name, knew what they did, but most yeah. importantly- I knew who their family was, what their kids were doing. And to me, that helped me relate to them, just like when you were talking to them about what their work environment is going to be. Yes. You know, if they're going to leave your services, to me, it was actually how do I make them feel that I am them as well? And I'm interested yes. in them as a person more than I am interested in them as work. Because if you're interested as a leader in person who works for you as a person, yes. then they will become. A worker that will be outstanding for you. They will contribute to the success of the organization because they trust you. They know you care about them, not just their work environment, but their their home environment. And to me, you know, when you become a CEO of an organization, you are the lifeblood. Your decisions you make impacts the security of a lot of people. Oh yeah. And you and you have to do things that make that happen. And and I agree with you. I think that people, what you do is making them feel better from an appearance standpoint and feeling more confident. And that's what you have to do with workers, right? You have to make them feel more confident. So, And as they feel more confident, that means you have to give them some leverage to make some decisions on their own.
1: Yeah. So and, Joe, let me ask you a question. Do you think that that's something that can be taught? Like the way you were and the way you are still with like knowing everyone in the organization and their family and just being just like interested in them as a person. Do you think that's like from your upbringing and your background, that's just something that's like in your DNA? Or do you think that you can actually teach people to be like that as a leader? So I
0: think it's a combination. I think yeah. some of it comes natural to some people. I think that I was blessed with that, that to be able to, do, to communicate with people. And I always yeah. joke with my my staff. I was just glad that some people would talk to me. You know what I mean. But <laughs> but the reality of it was that um, I think part of it's in your DNA, yeah. but it can be taught. Look, everybody everybody might have the same skill set to remember names, right? But if you can do an analogy and say, okay, how am I going to remember this person, Ralph? I had this guy. Ralph used to work in environmental services at one of our hospitals. His kids were football players in a certain town, and you know, so right. to me, I always could relate to Ralph when it came to that. And if you could relate to something that means something to that person, yeah. you will remember their name, what they do, how to motivate them. And to me, when I would see them on Monday morning and say, how did the kids do with football? Right. Well, he knew deep down that I really cared about the football, but I most importantly, truly cared about what he was doing at work as well, because his time away was important. Yeah. So to me, I think it's a combination. It can be taught. Okay. There's some people have a natural skill to do it. And some people it takes a little yeah. longer curve. See, I had but the if you want to be a leader, of, you have to be able to do it.
1: I had the same kind of upbringing as you did. And I think that's yep. why for me, it's very easy to be just like you are and just care about, you know, people. And I, I just get a kick out of knowing all that stuff. Like even in the girls in the office will tell you, like during office hours, it, it takes me a while to get through it because I am interested in hearing what everybody's going through and, you know, the patients and you know everything. You know, everyone that's listening knows when I start talking with you about things, it can get a little drawn out, but I enjoy it. And that's part of the whole reason why I went into this, you know, as, as a career. Uh, But do you think doing this, Joe, with this leadership advisors, are there things that you could bring to an organization and help a leader actually grow into being a better
0: um, people person? Yeah. So that that is one thing we're focused on is uh, our whole focus of the, the leadership advisors is to develop emerging leaders and to develop leadership teams. Yeah. Because then we could look at the, you know, where they need some improvement. And, you know, Rich and I were fortunate because, again, we have similar backgrounds uh, mm-hmm. and we yeah. believe in our people. So there are plans and programs we put in place that actually helps organizations identify ways to improve their organization, but gotcha. also to improve individual leaders in organizations. Where you say, hey, you know what, this this is an emerging leader for us, but I we know. want to assess what kind of skill set this leader has. Can they be good with people? What's their deficits that you need to correct? Yeah. And what are their strengths? And sometimes we need to build on those strengths, but sometimes by building on the strengths, we can help the weaknesses as well. So one of the things that Rich and I specifically are doing is, is focusing on that aspect, is to is to reach in organizations and to help them develop. Because sometimes leadership teams are so involved in the day-to-day, they don't have people could sit back objectively and look at their staff and say, okay, this is how we need to help them develop it to be a better team and a better organization. So that's exactly what we're doing.
1: Gotcha. Well, listen, everyone, I really am so excited that Joe Devine had a chance to come on the podcast. Everybody, you've been listening to The Plastic Surgery Revolution uh, with Joe Devine, who is now part of the Miller Devine Leadership Advisors. And for all of you listening out there, thanks so much. And uh, I'll be back in touch with you next week. Bye-bye, everyone.